Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good day, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague Hamish Baston out of Australia, and we are The Thought Hackers. With us today is Dr. Dawson Church. Dawson is an award-winning author whose best-selling book, The Genie in Your Genes, has been hailed by reviewers as a breakthrough in our understanding of the link between emotions and genetics. He founded the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare to study and implement evidence-based psychological and medical techniques. His research has been published in prestigious scientific journals. He is the editor of Energy Psychology, Theory, Research and Treatment, a peer-reviewed professional journal and a blogger for the Huffington Post. He shares how to apply the breakthroughs of energy psychology to health and athletic performance through EFT Universe, one of the largest alternative medicine sites on the web. I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hamish and Nathan, it's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, Our pleasure to have you. So we we were talking earlier uh, before we started a little bit about PTSD, which is where Hamish and I got our start. And one of the things that you had mentioned that would be useful for our listeners is to learn more about the history of PTSD. The history of PTSD is so interesting, Nathan, and I think it is worth knowing a bit about the history because it explains a lot of about why we are where we are when it comes to PTSD treatments and acceptance of PTSD treatments now. And what I wrote about in a, in a blog post in the Huffington Post was how there have been waves of interest in the psychological trauma of war and conflict. But the unfortunate thing is that after previous waves crested and broke, public interest waned. So for example, after America's Civil War, you can see a, a wave of interest in how to treat these veterans. And again, even if you look at the old photographs from the 1860s of those war veterans, they are often standing around in very awkward physical poses, they're staring off into space. They clearly are affected profoundly in their bodies. But then after World War One, when it was called shell shock, there was this, again, urgent need to treat these literally hundreds of thousands of veterans who came back from the war with PTSD. And so the US Army commissioned a psychiatrist called Abram Cardner to write a report on how to treat shell shock. And what he said in that report, the Cardner report, was that it is a physical neurosis. It's a physical disease. And that's very interesting because we tend to think of PTSD as a psychological disease. But Cardner really nailed it. He said that it's affecting the bodies of people with PTSD, not just their minds. And so that was the state of of play in terms of PTSD investigation with the Cardner Report, which was done in World War I. And then after World War I, the the public and the government and in popular consciousness, at least in the US, wanted to forget. And so the Cardinal Report was actually buried, was never published, wasn't published until 1941, when the next generation of veterans began to return from the war in in North Africa, Italy, and other places with all of these same symptoms. They then 
exhumed the Cardinal report from their archives and published it because they then needed to figure out how to how to how to how to treat this new cohort of of people, and then after World War II again popular interest subsided and uh, there was no really effective treatment for PTSD and it wasn't then until the Vietnam War when there was another surge of interest in how to treat these 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 soldiers coming back and the term PTSD was coined and also the term another interesting term was coined in the early 80s which is re-traumatization and so what the psychiatrists who were treating PTSD found after World War II, after the Korean conflict, after Vietnam, was that this was a profoundly physical condition, that most kinds of talk therapies didn't work. The main psychiatrist treating PTSD after World War II was a man called Joseph Wolpe. He was a Freudian analyst, so he was using all the, the usual tools like the talking cure, and he said that having people remember and talk about their traumatic experiences, and this is a quote from Wolpe, he said it's not just useless, it's harmful. Because he saw people as they as they pulled up these ghosts of the past and talked about them, they often re-traumatized themselves. And so that was where where things were back in the days after the Vietnam War. And it wasn't until after the Iraq War and the the Afghanistan war that the U.S. began to look at seriously at more modern treatments, and the initial prognosis was really bleak. In 2006, the American Psychiatric Association commissioned a report on what was the state-of-the-art treatment for PTSD right now in the early 2000s as they were faced with the first group of people coming back from Iraq, and what they wrote in that comprehensive study of all of the literature on PTSD, and this is 2006, this is this is this is about 10 years ago. They wrote that PTSD is an intractable, incurable condition, and the best you can do is manage it with medication. That was that, that was all, all we could figure out just 10 years ago. Since then, of course, all the research has been done showing that PTSD is actually quite easily curable. And I've actually been the lead investigator on several studies which have shown that PTSD can be remediated. People drop below the, the diagnosis of PTSD in between four and 10 sessions. In fact, I was talking to an, an army psychiatrist at Walter Reed recently. He was saying, he was part of my original six session study. He was saying, oh, Dawson, six sessions. That, you know, now at Walter Reed, if I, if I work with somebody who's an appropriate uh, candidate for this, we're often able to remediate PTSD in just a single session or sometimes two. So it's there's been a huge shift in the landscape in psychology yeah. to where, if you look back at the history, we now can effectively treat PTSD. That's, that's wonderful. I mean, we, we knew about it from our perspective to do with NLP, what I experienced working with Hamish. And then afterwards, as we started to look into it more, we started to see people were using other methods. And I would like to learn more about what it is that you do to remediate PTSD, as you would say. Well, there are several methods that are evidence-based. In other words, they have a, a body of scientific research that shows that they work for PTSD. And so those methods are yoga, yoga therapy, works of PTSD, EFT or emotional freedom techniques, tapping, which I've done a lot of research on, 
meditation can work, certain kinds of meditation can work if they put you into certain mental and emotional states. EMDR, eye movement reprocessing and desensitization, that works as, as, as well as EFT in one study. Cognitive behavioral therapy can work, although therapies that address the body are usually more effective than ones that are addressing only the mind. Mm. So what all these have in common, in common with NLP as well, is that they anchor people in their bodies. People stay in their bodies. And so that phenomenon that keeps people stuck in PTSD, which, which is dissociation, which is leaving the body, which is what a friend of mine who was a psychologist at Fort Hood in Texas said, these, these veterans come to us, they sit there in therapy, and I become familiar with the, the thousand yard stare. They're looking out there into the middle distance, their eyes aren't focused and they're right mentally, they're right back in the middle of trauma. They've left their bodies. So what yoga, EMDR, NLP, EFT all have in common, whether they're using breath work or other kinds of physiological cues, the anchoring used in NLP, they're keeping people in their bodies while they re-experience the trauma. They're not letting them dissociate, and that is the key to reprocessing that and turning that terrible experience into a neutral, emotionally neutral memory. So that's really the commonality that all these treatments have. Yeah, that's really interesting what you, what you said about the thousand mile stare or thousand yard stare. I'm familiar with that from uh, cult groups years ago, and that was one of the hallmarks of many people that they pulled out of cult groups and one of the things they had to do and, and clear by what you're saying is anchor them to reality bring them out of this dissociative state it's very interesting what you've said so in in terms of your own work how would you go about doing that where would you begin well um with e what eft uses is having people stimulate acupuncture points. And there are 14 energy meridians that flow through the body using simple instruments like a skin galvanometer, which measures the electrical charge on the skin. We can easily find where these points are. So we find where the points are. We then rub them or tap on them while the person re-experiences the trauma. And it has a, a really rapid effect. One veteran, for example, one Vietnam veteran, had this terrible memory from Vietnam when his best friend was killed. They were serving in a, in, in, on you know, the front lines together. And on that particular day, when his friend was killed, there were unique circumstances that made it highly traumatic for him. One is that he and his best friend went out on patrol every day. And on their patrols, this soldier, this man, I call him Don in my book, The EFT Manual, Don always walked on the right in those patrols, and his friend was always on the left. And that particular day, for some unknown reason, they'd switch positions. So Don was on the left, and his buddy was on the right, and his buddy was killed by a sniper. And so they, yeah. because they switched positions, Don had had this narrative in his head for literally for 40 years since the Vietnam War ended, and he came back, he had this narrative that, that my buddy took the bullet was meant for me. He had this survivor's guilt. He had, and he had flashbacks and nightmares. Veterans also have very high rates of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, all kinds of physical ailments as well. Because again, as Abram Cardner found in World War One, it's a physioneurosis. It's a physiologically based set of changes in the body that often gets worse over time. And so what we do, what, what we did with him, was we had him 
tell the story, remember that terrible event. Now, again, he's been dissociating up to this point. He's been having, but he's been having flashbacks and nightmares, intrusive thoughts where he involuntarily remembers his, his, his friend's death. Now we have him deliberately remember his friend's death, but is stimulating these acupuncture points as well. When you do that, uh, MRI studies and scans show that when you stimulate acupuncture points, it sends a calming signal to the fear centers of the brain. It's the emotional brain called the limbic system. And that limbic system, when you remember a fearful memory, traumatic event, gets all lit up on an MRI scan. And what happens when you apply acupuncture is it calms the limbic system. It tells, it reassures the body, it reassures the emotional brain that there's no actual danger in the current environment. So he did the acupressure part of EFT while he thought about his friend's death, and he had a complete change of heart. He had an epiphany, and he said, you know, just the way I wish I could have died for him, he would have wanted to die for me. And he had that epiphany, that thought, and suddenly his PTSD symptoms went away, the flashbacks, the nightmares, the intrusive thoughts went away. After his second session, he said, I got my first full night's sleep since I got back from Vietnam 40 years ago. Mm. It was that profound. Yeah. We find people's insomnia reduces, we find their digestion returns to normal, all kinds of physiological regulation starts to happen when people resolve these psychological traumas. So these aren't just psychological abstract, it's all in the mind kinds of problems. They are really affecting the bodies of the people who are traumatized. Mm. So we just have them work through lists of those memories, one by one like that while they tap, on those acupressure points and uh, that removes all the emotional charge behind them. The research is very clear that once you break the association between the memory, the event, and going into fight or flight, when you break that association between those two things in the brain, it stays broken forever. You don't need to go back and treat it again. It usually is a permanent fix. Mm -hmm. So that's that's pretty much how we, we treat people with PTSD. That's really impressive. Um, and what you said, the, the part that really got my attention is when you break that association that all these processes in their, their bodies return to normal. And that's exactly what happened to me with what we did. Uh, there were all sorts of these benefits. And they, there were so many of them. I mean, there was one problem I had an abscess tooth. It suddenly healed on its own. I didn't do anything to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, mental it, it, clarity, everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing how, you know, like that, 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 that's because your immune system was being dialed up. The most exciting new research we're doing now is on gene expression. And we're finding, we did a study, a randomized controlled trial of 10 sessions of EFT. We looked at the gene expression of veterans before and after those 10 sessions. And we found that their immunity genes were being dialed way up and their inflammation genes were being dialed way down. And so there's these twin effects where good genes, beneficial genes that boost your immunity were upregulated and that genes that cause inflammation in the body, which goes along with stress, those were downregulated. So, so that's, that's exactly the kind of thing you'd expect to see after you release that kind of mental mm -hmm. stress that you'd held yourself under for so long, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... I still find myself being astonished by it because, like I said, there were, in, in our previous conversation, there were all these different things that Hamish led me through, but that one last piece, everything stopped, and I didn't realize what had happened. It wasn't until I spoke with Hamish, and then it became obvious. 
but at the time it, it was just I knew something major changed. I didn't know what it was. And so for our our listeners here, having you talk about that with EFT, like that one veteran that you were talking about, like have you worked with someone who had like really severe like symptoms that that seemed like there was no way in the world that they could get better and then you did something and and all of a sudden they had uh, a release. One of the uh, things that my wife has reminded me to tell people, we 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 I, I teach about uh, maybe, well, me and me and our, our other trainers, we teach thirty or forty EFT workshops a year all over the U.S. all over the world, and um, one of the things that my wife has urged me to do is to talk about my experience as a practitioner in those workshops where I work with people, including veterans. And so what happens is the person sits down there <clears throat> next to me in, in a live workshop. I start tapping with them. They start talking. And, you know, Nathan, when do you, like, look later on, if we record that 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 session on a YouTube video? Um, <clears throat> one woman, for example, had... Um, experienced sexual abuse as a child. So she had sexual abuse as a child. She had PTSD from that. Then when she was 15, she came out as as being a lesbian. And so she was in a fundamentalist community. They shunned her. They expelled her. Uh, they shamed her. They mocked her. And she lost her whole community as a result of coming out. And she had several other experiences as an adult that were were not very much fun. But th those were those were big ones: the childhood sexual abuse, and then the experience of coming out as gay, and getting shunned by her community. And so she sat down next to me as a volunteer at a, an EFT workshop, and I began to work with her. And Tapping is very simple. You don't guide the client. You don't lead the client. The client basically does all this internal emotional processing, shares it with you, but you tap while you do it. And so as they tap, all these layers of trauma just fall away right before your eyes. It's a really remarkable thing to watch. Their bodies free up. They start to move freely. They begin to laugh. They have a sense of perspective on their problems. So I think we, we're not at video like 200 and something. So we have all these these videos on 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 our website and online. And um, my wife has said to me, you know, Dawson, you need to tell people. They watch these videos. They watch you do a half-hour session. And it looks like a miracle. It looks miraculous. You look as though you had the whole thing planned out from the very beginning. And and you know, only when you get back to the hotel room and you talk to me and you say to me, Christine, I had no idea when she sat down there how we could possibly help her heal. Her, her problem seemed too big to me. And they did. This particular woman, it this just looked like too much of too much of a lifetime of trauma for us to be able to heal it. And so often in my own mind, people are telling me those stories, Nathan, and I'm thinking, holy smokes, how do we even begin to work on this? But the miraculous thing is when you give the body an experience of safety and you give the body a way to heal, we try and give veterans an early win, one small experience initially that they can change. It isn't going to be the big one initially. It'll be a small one typically. But if we show them that they can change in some small way, usually they then start to change in bigger and bigger and bigger ways, then they do tackle the big one. So one uh, one veteran, for example, his name is Bob Culver, is in a movie that was done on our work. He, he initially had memories that he said were, these memories are behind the wall 
I have walled off this whole part of my life in Vietnam. I will never go there. No matter nothing you do ever do with me is ever going to make me go behind the wall. After a couple of days of, of doing intensive tapping, he said, you know, I'm going to go peek behind the wall and began to work on this terrible event where a field hospital that he was in was uh, subject to a mortar attack and destroyed. And there were 18 people who were killed in the mortar attack. And he began to work on that memory behind the wall. And it was a, a gruesome memory. And, and he, he was able to, to totally overcome all of those emotional triggers as he, he did the work. So it's, it's profound. But you don't know when you start working with people what the result will be. It's often mysterious. Uh, they really guide the uh, the sessions themselves. The practitioner actually with EFT does very little beyond reminding the client to tap. And as clients realize that they can heal this memory, they then will try and heal that memory. And after a while, they've healed 10 or 15 or 20 or 100 of these terrible traumatic memories. And then they they find their whole life starts to change. Physiologically, they improve. Psychologically, they improve. Their relationships improve. They're no longer as sensitive and triggered. And all of those symptoms of trauma start to disappear. But again, it, although it looks very symmetrical and neat when you watch the videos, when, when people sit down, I honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm more, often the most surprised person in the room when yet another person says, wow, you know, my, I was a 10 out of 10 in terms of emotional triggering on that memory, and I'm a zero. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, wow. <laughs> that is very impressive. And one of the things that you said and it really got my attention is creating that place of safety. And that's something that's come up for us repeatedly. I would really like you to talk some more about that. It's essential to be safe. In fact, one of the techniques that EFT borrowed from NLP is called the movie technique. And in the movie technique, we have people run a movie, like in this case, Don ran the movie of the day his friend was killed by the sniper. And so people run the movie in their minds. And so what we have people do is they begin the movie at a safe place. One, another movie, for example, was uh, a story that a, a man told in a workshop where um, he had been traumatized when he was six years old, when he and his, his family were at the seashore at a vacation. And um, his brother, who was nine years old, he and his brother were playing in the ocean. They were having a lot of fun. Their parents were right nearby. But his brother dunked him and pushed his head under the water. And um, his brother just thought it was funny. But this young boy, six years old, began to struggle, couldn't get away. And as his brother held his head under the water, the boy took a huge gulp of, of, of water and began to pass out. He was trying to struggle and get away from his brother and it was unsuccessful. And so he had this, this experience, he began, to, he began to pass out, the water filled his nose, his, his mouth, his lungs, and it was a moment of sheer terror for him. So we work with an event like that, and we have him do what's called the movie technique, running the movie in his mind. And what we, the way we start the movie is always at the safe place. So for example, there was a big emotional crescendo in the movie, when his brother first dunked him, and a second big emotional crescendo when his brother held his head under the water and then he tried to scream and his lungs filled with water. So there are these various emotional peaks when people's emotional triggering is way high. It's a 10 out of 10 or an eight out of 10 in terms of emotional terror. But at the beginning of the movie, he was really happy on vacation playing with his 
mom and dad and his elder brother in the water. So we start the movie at that neutral point. We then take the client to the first emotional crescendo and we tap until that emotional crescendo is down to a zero or a low number, maybe one or two. But what we then don't do is proceed and run the rest of the movie. Instead, we rewrite the movie to the neutral point. And that is so important because the client is starting off at the safe place in the memory. He is then going to the first emotional crescendo, is then clearing that with the FT. But then before we go to the next emotional moment, he is then moving back to that safe place. So you always go into trauma from safety. You deal with a little bit of trauma, you then move back into safety, you then go back into the dark forest of trauma, but then you emerge into the sunlight of safety. So it's really important to do this, and research shows that therapists and coaches who counterpoint between the safe place and the trauma get much better outcomes for their clients than those that focus only on the trauma or those that try and focus only on the good stuff in life. So um, th that, that point of safety is really really important. And unless the client feels safe, and until the client feels safe, you aren't going to be able to make very much progress with any kind of therapy. Yes, agreed. So glad you led us through that. It was in incredible. Hamish, do you have any comments? <laughs> I've just thoroughly enjoyed listening to this. Like I said, when we were talking before that I'm so interested in learning the, the EFT um, perspective on, on recovery with PTSD. It's... Um, <laughs> there's so many similarities to what we do I mean, we get a lot of people asking us um is does eft work is it any good what should i what do i expect and i i haven't been able to answer because i haven't really known how it works but equally i know that a lot of people get a lot of success from it and having having this interview and your explanation from it dawson is going to be so valuable to the people that um that come through and listen uh, to really get an understanding of how it works. And I'm finding so similarities to what we do. Uh, there's just different techniques in the way of doing things, but you know, uh, releasing that emotional charge, that emotional connection to events and the, fl the fight or flight state and collapsing that, but getting that safe space, that's exactly how we work. There's so many similarities. Um, and now I really understand the, I, I didn't, I knew the tapping thing was a lot of what EFT is all about, but I, I really didn't understand it was tapping onto, onto the acupuncture points and how it works. So I've, I've learned so much through this, and I'm actually thinking I'm, I'm, I should go and study it as well and get that tool on my belt as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, me, I mean, me as well. I mean, like I said to you, this is, this is what we're trying to do, is how do we bring these sorts of therapies, these modalities together to, you know, there's so many answers here and... and they work extremely well without having to go down through the medication and the, you have to live with this for life. You don't. I've learnt so much from it. Uh, one question I do get a lot from people is, and you've spoken a, a lot about it at the beginning, is the connection of PTSD to veterans and being in the war zone. And there's a lot of, a, a lot of people we talk to who haven't been through as, as a veteran well, this is a veteran thing, why have I got it? You know, surely it's not PTSD because I'm not a veteran. But, I mean, I, my question to you is, how big is it, do you see it and the problem with it in general society? Much bigger than is commonly believed. The, yes. uh, in the US, the National Institute of Mental Health estimates that about 4% of the population has PTSD. What uh, our 
practitioners estimate is that the number is actually much higher. I'll give you one example from a workshop. Actually, just this last week, this uh, woman had, was was tapping with her sister, and her sister was they were they were at a uh, on a hike on a hike in this place where there was a deep gorge and an observation deck above the gorge. And this woman's sister was absolutely terrified and couldn't proceed with the hike. And so this, this, this woman tapped with her sister. And what she tapped on was a memory, a childhood memory. And in this childhood memory, the sister, who I think was six years old at the time, had been with her mother and father and they had been visiting something someplace like the Grand Canyon and um, again there's a big ledge where you look down over the canyon and this little girl the six-year-old had been there standing there looking down at the canyon from the observation deck again completely safe and her parents had wandered away. They just they were just walking around elsewhere. And she looked around, couldn't find her parents for just a few seconds. But that event wound up being such a trauma that she had a fear of heights. She had a fear of that hike. It was an absolutely terrifying, immobilizing fear. She hadn't gone on a hike like that most of her life because she was so terrified. So here's this wonderful experience that's possible for her of time and nature, seeing the beautiful places of the world, much of which she will never go see because of something that happened when she was six years old. And mm. you look you look back at that and you think, wow, yep. that people can get traumatized just by looking around. I mean, there's no abuse there. There's no uh, kind of emotional violence there. All there is is the unavailability of a parent for a few minutes, and that can traumatize a person. So yes. um, when we work with people, we find that often these childhood memories, and, the, and people may have you know, 50 or 90 or 500 memories of that. Most people have memories that are much worse. Half of the, ch half of the, the teenage children in America witness domestic violence mm. or community violence in a given year. A quarter of uh, children in America under the teenage years, a quarter of them, 25% of them, are themselves victimized um, in the course of a given year. The, these are shocking numbers. Something like one in, yeah, one, one, one in 10 boys is sexually molested and one in five girls. So, there, I mean, trauma is 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 so widespread, we then wind up reenacting these scripts, Hamish, our whole lives. Mm. So unless you can do what you did with, with, with Nathan, then the person winds up perpetuating that behavior year after year after year, just like the woman that never went on hikes after that. And yes. so what, you know, what, what makes my heart bleed is these poor people who we, we, we know, you guys know, I know that PTSD and a psychological, psychological trauma is so easily curable, and yet people condition their whole lives. They don't go out to certain places. They avoid certain social situations. Yeah. They uh, they limit their lives in all these ways because they have this fear of this or that. It could be fear of heights, fear of flying, fear of open spaces, fear of closed spaces. But people have all these fears, and they cut them off from wonderful experiences in their lives. So that's, I think, what, what all three of us are passionate about is, 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 is sharing with people, hey, you don't have to suffer. Absolutely. These are not 
difficult things to overcome. We've seen people overcome them very, very easily. At my Veteran Stress Project, which I helped co-found 10 years ago, we've now treated over 20,000 veterans and their family members with PTSD. And we've seen them just reclaim their lives, just like mm. Don did. So yeah. um, it's, it's wonderful to see people get over all of that old triggering. Yeah. And so much of it that, that, that I find too, like you said, that, that early childhood specifically or normally up to sort of the age of seven, there is so much trauma created in that space that when working with clients, they will have a, a conscious memory of a trauma that might have only happened five years ago or very recently and that's the one that they're connecting to because it's, it's the most recent one. But it, when we actually go in and do the work with it, it's no, it's something that's happened back in those childhood years that's... Yes. Hmm. That makes yeah. so much, it makes so much sense. I, I really like what you did when you described the safety process yes. but also the way that you described how you would use EFT. And I learned a little bit about EFT. I even interviewed uh, Margaret Lynch at one point about what she was doing, but I never understood it in the way that you just explained it, which mm. has created enormous clarity for me. And I'm thinking, wow, I need to try this on <laughs> some of the things that that are still lingering in my life, and I wonder what it will do. But there was another thing that you spoke about, and it ties into a, um, an experience I had in uh, my life a number of years ago, where you talked about that veteran who was peering behind that that wall, and I wound up listening to some or watching videos by another EFT guy, uh, Robert Smith, and the long-standing problem I had was amnesia caused by trauma, and. What he said that was really cool, and it wasn't necessarily EFT, but what he said is that if you're suffering from amnesia, follow the feelings in the body. And, yeah, I, and that, I had never heard that before. That's good advice because we remember memories usually from, we may have a memory or two from before the age of five. Most of us, though, our earliest memories started five, around four or five years old. Mm, yes. And when you're dealing with trauma that happened before that, what you have is the body. And so we have some actually some some techniques that don't involve tapping, but involve eye movements. And we work on buried trauma, trauma you don't remember, preverbal trauma, womb trauma with those other methods. And so yeah, the body is a really valuable guide mm -hmm. to where and how you feel traumatized. And so if you don't remember, that's not an obstacle to healing. You can still do it. But that 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 forgetting actually is a very useful behavioral adaptation coping skill to to traumatic events when you're two or three or four or five. So like the, the boy I mentioned whose brother ducked his head under the water, we worked on, using the movie technique, worked on the whole event and um, walked, worked all the way through to the end, which was when he, after he got out of the, the ocean, he went and played with his bucket in Spain and built sand castles on the beach. But as we tapped on all of the aspects of that traumatic event, he recovered a memory fragment that he'd forgotten. And that was that after he got free from his brother, coughing and spluttering and crying, he ran up to his mother and told her what had happened. And his mother said, don't provoke your older brother. So his mom, in effect, blamed him hmm. for the, the, the near drowning. And so, so he recalled a fragment of memory. Now, why would you dissociate something like that? You dissociate and you forget that kind of thing because 
He's only six. He can't get away from home. He can't get away from his brother or his mother or his father. He has to live with his family. And we all have to live with our crazy families when we're growing up. And so what the psyche does to try and cope is it builds a um, what we call an EFT training. We call it a, we call it a trauma capsule around that event. There's a pain, pain doctor called Bob Scare who uh, who developed this whole way of understanding trauma. He calls it the dissociative capsule that we dissociate, we wrap it up in an amnesia, amnesia, uh, amnesia bubble, and we bury it in our muscles, bury it in our subconscious, bury it in our psyche, and we don't remember because you've got to deal with your brother for the next you know, 10 years and your parents and everyone else in your life, even though many of them are acting in ways that are neglectful or harmful toward you. So when we're kids, that amnesial, amnesiac bubble is really a useful coping skill. It's just not very good if you're still doing it when you're 40, 40 years old. So no, it, 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 it's not. And that was that was part of my problem. This particular episode happened, um, just trying to think, about eight years ago, there was a trauma and it triggered the amnesia and I couldn't remember. And then I watched that video and followed the feelings. And then I was out the next day and I, I was just and a market, a public market. And I just posed a question in my mind that I'd never asked before. And when that happened, I could see behind that wall, if you will, and re-experienced everything to do with the trauma. And it lasted for a few seconds and it vanished and everything improved immediately. So. Yeah, that, 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 that's what you can do because you now have the resources of adulthood. You, are, you, you know yourself to be strong. You know yourself to be resilient. You can get through those kinds of challenges. I did one randomized controlled trial with veterans looking at resilience, and we found, well, first of all, we find that people who have what's called subclinical PTSD, where they don't have full-blown clinical PTSD, but they have the initial symptoms, they often go on to develop full-blown PTSD. So with our subclinical group, we gave them EFT preemptively. We found that they then went on to really reduce their levels of symptoms and just, just you know, but they were nowhere near the PTSD threshold after that. So that that's a person with resilience, with resources, they know they can overcome life's challenges. That Those are the kinds of people we want to be. We want to be resilient because, you know, things, things stuff happens, just bad stuff, random bad stuff happens in life. So mm -hmm. you want to make sure you are one of those resilient people. But when you're a, a child without those resources, that's when that dissociation happens and those things get, get buried in the muscles and they really wind up hurting you later on. Uh, a giant study called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study done here in California showed that people who have adverse childhood experiences, unhealed childhood trauma, don't heal it and then grow up, in their 50s, they have higher rates of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, hepatitis, all kinds of uh, medical problems, and at much, much higher rates. And the more unresolved childhood trauma you have, the more your higher your symptom levels are. So it's not like just forgetting this stuff and burying it, burying it is going to you know, you know, just be okay over time. You aren't okay over time. It's really important to go in there, tap on those things, release those things, release those early memories, release adult memories, become a resilient person, and then that is going to have a profound effect on your physical health as well. I, I couldn't agree more, especially after what happened with... The NLP process, of course, it's different from what you said of the EFT, with the exception of that, that movie process is still um, the 
my overall health in so many ways just suddenly dramatically improved. And it was just amazing. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. I've learned so much by being here. Well, I really am uh, supportive of the mission that the two of you have to raise awareness of this Thank and uh, how you're sharing your work, how you're sharing your personal experiences, how you're in your heart, how you're present. It's just a, a wonderful thing to be a, a part of. So thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Um, Absolute pleasure. It's, uh, the education through this one has been incredible. It's really appreciated. And I'd love to have another talk another time further and take this further as well. Absolutely, I agree. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking that what would be really useful, if you wouldn't mind, is to write down some sort of process or maybe a few processes that are really central, integral to what you do that you find the most effective. And then we could do another podcast where we can go into those in more depth. What do you think? That'd be fun because I just did a keynote speech at Omega Institute and I talked about 20 practices that are evidence-based and shown to trigger positive gene expression and EFT and meditation, just two of those, but there are many others as well. So I'd love to share about that and about how those shift our physical symptoms. Mm. That would be perfect. So Hamish, do you have anything you'd uh, like no, to add? No, I'll, I'll be writing down some questions for next time. It's, um, it's a, a very grateful journey, this one, uh, Dawson. Thank you very much. It's been a joy, and I'd invite people to go and just download the EFT mini manual from my website, check out the instructions for meditation on the website, and really use this stuff. I, I, I love inspiring people, but I, you know, just being inspired is, is only the, the first step. You have to actually practice these, yes. these tools. So yes. um, I, I'd recommend people go on, go on the website and download the EFT mini manual, download the, the instructions for meditation, practice these things in your life. Don't just feel good about it and then then that, have that be it actually going on my website and then downloading that that manual it's all free download it practice it in your life and then see yourself shift and and for the record which which website is that that you're referring to it's just my name dawson d-a-w-s-o-n dawson gift g-i-f-t dawsongift.com and that's the website where we have the eft mini manual we have the meditation instructions we have access to a whole bunch of resources including the veteran stress project where people can get uh, free treatment for ptsd so just quickly Wonderful. On, on, on the uh mini manual and the instructions for meditation if someone is feeling in a really deep um overwhelming place it's something that they could grab to just help them get to that safe place it is and uh it's only about 60 pages long so it's just it's like a 30 minute half hour hour read it's not not very long but it gives you all the instructions for how to do eft it's an excerpt from the much longer book the, the eft manual which is my full full manual mm -hmm. but it also on the back has has a little panel called eft on a page just a one page instruction sheet for how to tap just grab that one page tap along with something that bothers you and you'll feel in your body right away how you can start to change. So it's, it's just that quick and simple. Fantastic. Yeah, that's wonderful. So again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And I'm really glad we had the opportunity to talk with you. Bless you. Bless your work. And thank you so much thank again. You. Now you're most welcome. So for those of you who have been listening to our broadcast, my name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague, Hamish Baston. 
We have been interviewing Dr. Dawson Church, and we are the Thought Hackers, and we will speak to you next time. You've been listening to the Thought Hackers. Make sure you subscribe and get each new episode emailed straight to you so you don't miss a show. And have a look at our resources page where you will find programs, audios and books that will create change in your thoughts.